0: Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org.
1: This is Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong.
2: Welcome to Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You, a service of Transitions Life. Care, it's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic, Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Good evening to you, Nicole. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. I am. Um, we're 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 getting through these weeks, and every week is more interesting than the week before. I'll just I'll just leave it there.
2: The uh, the news cycle has uh, it's, it's been something, but uh, you know we'll we'll leave that for the uh, the news team here at WPTF, Indeed. and we'll <laughs> we'll focus on our main subject, which is aging and caregiving and seniors and. To do that, we've brought in a return guest, yes. one of our, our favorites. She's she's definitely friend of the show status here.
0: Definitely, on well, she on she aging can put matters. up she can put up her badge. She can <laughs> top, absolutely top friend. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> uh, on on the uh, Aging Matters Facebook group, she's a top <laughs> contributor. She is Nancy stolfo Corti with Senior Helpers. She's got my favorite title, Catalyst with Senior Helpers. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us again.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you for keep inviting me back. I said they might not invite me since I can't bring them any fudge today. (laughs) That's
0: true. You did not come bearing gifts, but I've also not come to the show bearing zucchini because my garden is just not quite there yet. So I'm still being invited back. I think we're good.
4: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good.
0: So, so glad to have you on the show today, and I really appreciate the conversation that we're going to have. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are caring for older adults, or they may be older adults themselves, and you know, a conversation around, you know, now we're we're in month three of our modified quarantine of how do we stay connected when we're not together? And I think you know some of the novelty of some of this. Uh, Zoom calls and, you know, Facebook Lives and FaceTimes and and, and Skypes and things of that nature are sort of wearing off on people at this point. And, you know,
2: people are really,
0: really seeking some of that, you know, physical connection and and interaction with one another. And I I do think uh, it's definitely starting to wear on people psychologically. Sure.
3: Well, I always Um, In life, I've always struggled well, and I think part of it is because I start my morning practice either with a quote or something, uh, a verse from the Bible or a prayer that that kind of sets the tone. And when I think of what we're going through, I think of a quote by Anne Frank. Um, She said, I don't think of all the misery, but of the beauty that still remains. And, you know, it's so easy to focus on, on the darkness and what we can no longer do, but um, especially with those families that are in congregate living or, mm-hmm. you know, in a hospital that you can't visit. But at Senior Helpers, we always try to focus on what people can still do in, in our practice mm-hmm. of working with the population of dementia. So if we think about that, I mean, she was like barely an adolescent, And she's in an attic and she's isolated and she's got all this danger around her, but yet she could still carve out from her memory um, those happy moments, that, that beauty that she had seen in her lifetime. And so I think it's really important not to focus on what we can't do and on these voids, but to focus on the things that we can still do.
0: Yeah, there, there, is, there is quite a lot of sort of bless in the mess for sure. And I I, th- I think oftentimes even about my, my youngest child and even my middle and older children, you know, they're probably going to remember this time differently than the way we will. And I think about the fact that, you know, prior to all of this, you know, families didn't really spend quite as much time together. And so I think there's been a lot of is interesting things going on where families sort of have to get to know each other sometimes spouses <laughs> it, again yeah and sometimes well,
3: that, that's that's a very unique perspective well, as an Italian families do spend so much time yep. together that now we're really suffering well
0: and 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 there's <laughs> even situations where you have you know dual household spouses where both were working 40 plus hours a week and they sort of came together right. sometimes for dinner sometimes yeah. on the weekend for a few hours here or there and women were running off doing their women's weekends and and so I think it's definitely an interesting time the, the the sort of the joke has been you know the divorce rate and the birth rate are going to be going up in about you know nine months after all this ends in our country but <laughs> uh, but you know I think I think there's definitely you know opportunities for people to sort of sit back and reflect and think about what matters most I mean, to them in their lives for for sure and definitely you know where I live it's the, uh, my I've view it as my everyone probably views their homes as their little safe haven and you know finding beauty and the things even just outside is is wonderful and taking the you know we always used to joke about take time to smell the roses because we're all so busy and now we have all the time in the world that you know to smell the roses and now we're craving for some of the and they're not blooming blooming because of the frost (laughs) they're not blooming because of the frost and yes and and so on and so forth but i i do agree with that so i have
3: Yeah, sorry. I have um, found myself in a very unpopular position because I've been saying to people who are about at their breaking point now with this self-isolating and and homeschooling and all of that, that I think we should have once a year where we should do like 40 days of isolation and just really get to know our families and reconnect on the things that are important. (laughs) What did I hear Jason say? Is he he hiring a hitman for
0: me? Uh, no, (laughs) No, no, no. But, but you're right, you know, and I think, and you come from Europe, right, and I think there's there's a different perspective there. I know in Germany, everybody gets time in the black forest, right, and you get weeks on end of time right. just to be with nature, be with yourself, and have that time to reflect, and I, I think, you know, in the United States, we've been very much geared to go, 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 and never stop and reflect, right. and just move forward, and everything is instant gratification, and we want it now, or we want it yesterday, and an Amazon package. Delivered two days from now is it's not that's not good enough. We want a drone delivering it this right. afternoon on our doorstep. So, I think you know, people have really had have had to just stop. I mean, we've been forced to stop. It hasn't even been a choice.
3: Right, right. But we can still be together, and um, you know, isolation it cannot isolate that love and the fullness of life that we've had in the past or our memories. That's what gets people through when they're imprisoned. That's what gets people through these struggles if they've you know been kidnapped mm-hmm. or they're in a forced isolation I mean i I think a lot of times of the caregiver mm-hmm. that is twenty four seven on with you know a parent or doing a vigil with face how that what they get is not so much in focusing on that moment of the caregiving, but on sharing those experiences and those memories with that person. And that's why sometimes caregiving adds this richness to your life, especially at the end of life, because you have that time and that excuse (laughs) in America, where we go, 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 to actually connect and to really connect on a deeper level. So a lot of times people ask me, well, well, how can we do that? I mean, I can't go see my mom. I I mean, technology is amazing. And um, I know myself with my parents, they live in Ohio. I am closer to my parents today that we have a nine hour drive between us than I have ever been when I lived in the same city with them. And it is because I learned having an ocean between us how to connect, and this was way before there was technology that we have, but how to connect on a, on a truer level. And back then I would write them letters and um, send them things. And then when we did have a chance to talk on the phone, we talked about it and it was like we were sharing it because I can remember one Christmas, I made them an entire nativity set out of bread and I shellacked it and my father's a baker. So um, I sent it to him and he, was, he would hold up these statues while he was talking to me every Christmas that it survived because, you know, after a while it does kind of break down no matter how much shellac you put on it. <laughs> and he used to say, I find comfort in that I cannot spend Christmas with you, but I am holding up this um, Christ child or I am holding up this donkey and I know that you modeled it with your hands and I feel like I am holding your hand. So these are the kinds of things that the experiences that we we need to share with our loved ones, even if it's just the retelling of an event or a memory that you know your loved one um, surely remembers. Maybe it's something that they talk about all the time. I know Teva always talks about the killing of the chickens with her grandmother. Um, It might even be as simple as reciting a poem or a prayer together on the phone or Skype, um, or you know, any other technology that you might have uh, available to you. You could do a surprise Um A lot of the assisted livings are allowing you to drop off things. You can't really go in, but maybe you can set up a time where you can visit them through the window or something special. I know my, that little pig costume, I have done little surpriseograms to my neighbors and to <laughs> the people at some of the communities around me with a little sign that says, This is the little piggy that stayed home since we didn't have our barbecue this year. <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. That
2: is cute. Nancy Corti is with us here on the line. We're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. She is a catalyst with senior helpers. Stick around. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong.
5: You are
2: listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Uh, remember, you can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.com. Dot .org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and on the line we have Nancy Stolfo Corti she is the catalyst for senior helpers you can find more about them at seniorhelpers.com and Nicole we're having a conversation about the impact of isolation and lockdowns and uh, it's it's a challenge for us all
0: definitely you know i saw a recent uh, video uh, put out by pbs uh, and it was talking about how family caregivers are enduring the biggest burden during this quarantine time and it really has to do with the fact of these folks a lot of them have stopped any type of respite care that they have they have stopped or limited outside providers of care family members um, are not coming in and a lot of them are just literally doing it alone and a lot of them are feeling like they're just at their breaking point so would love some tips from you Nancy about how to really help those folks refuel themselves during this very difficult time and some of them were even saying you know as the months have gone on they've just had to face that fear and and say I just can't keep doing this alone and I'm gonna have to just take somewhat of a risk to bring somebody into my home because physically I'm just breaking down
3: yeah I, and we've noticed I, I, that at totally transitions guiding lights
0: I, I mean we've noticed you know in the beginning We weren't getting a lot of calls for people for assistance to come into their home, but in the last month or so, uh, people have been calling a lot more and just saying, you know, I'd called before and I was really nervous about the virus. Not that people aren't nervous anymore, but they're realizing that they have got to put some fuel into their own tank in order to keep on going.
3: Well, the good news is um, agencies like Senior Helpers uh, have really taken precautions and, you know, infection control. We do that every day, even before this pandemic. But we've been isolating caregivers to go to just one house or just one community so that there is less um, spread of the virus. And so families can rest assured that they they are getting a safe person coming in, probably safer than a family member that's still going out, doing the shopping and things like that, because there's this control in place. But other things that can keep them connected are these devices like Google Home or Echo Show or Facebook portal where they feel like they're still part of something. Even if it's not someone they know, they can be part of, you know, there's COVID cooking shows and things that people are doing just so that they can keep up and and feel positive. Um, I recently saw there's a new technology called Quarantine Chat. That works with all smartphones. So you might not feel comfortable talking to your family because you feel guilty that um, you've been quarantined with mom or dad. And, and they might not understand your reality and the stress of that, mm-hmm. trying to keep them safe and trying to keep uh, yourself sane. But you can talk to someone um, and that way you can really connect and feel like you're you're not alone in this. There's a myriad of support groups. I know that I run two that are on Zoom and you can um, find out about them on the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. They're open to anyone. You don't have to be part of those communities that are represented, but so that you can share your experience with someone because I think the most important thing in staying connected while we're alone is to feel like you're not alone. Um, And, and, I mean, you have to really save your sanity. Um, There are eight free apps that help you stay connected that are out there. FaceTime works with um, Apple phones. Google Duo and Hangouts work with your Android phones. Uh, Marco Polo, a lot of the communities are also using that. And like I told Nicole earlier, I will send um, this information so they can post it on the website. Uh, Marco Polo is an application, and it's a great way for families to message uh, their loved ones and their loved ones to mes- message them back uh, on your own schedule because you it'll save it and you can play it over and over again for that person that has dementia that wants to see you, um, or, you know, you can play it at your leisure. Skype is another great application, and it's free. Facebook Messenger Um, and then for that caregiver that's sitting there and alone with a loved one other family members can invite her to or him or her to a a Netflix party Um, and you can set up a room where you're watching the same film together maybe with mom and dad Um, there's also an app called watch together and you can watch anything from YouTube videos to Vimeo to listen to music together. Um, and, and they're private and they're safe and it'll help you feel connected like they're in the room with you even though you're by yourself. Uh, Zoom, I know a lot of people that are working are probably Zoomed out, but for that person <laughs> that is is there all day long just um, inside a home with very little contact Zoom or house party can really make them feel connected.
0: I think those, um, those are some great, great applications for folks definitely to look into. And I know that you, uh, Senior Helpers, works closely with uh, Tipa Snow, uh, and she is a world-renowned dementia education expert. Um, I know you have something coming up with her. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that?
3: Absolutely. We have a virtual presentation on the 18th of June, it's, from three, it's It starts at 3 o'clock, and it'll probably go for about an hour. And it's on the effects of social isolation on those living with dementia. And it's free, but um, you do have to register, and there's limited space. So uh, we will post that link up there for you as well.
0: Awesome.
2: Excellent. And, Nancy, again, is the best way for folks to find out more information about Senior Helpers to go to SeniorHelpers.com?
3: Absolutely, and it's forward slash Durham if they want to get our office. But the the website, the national website, has so much information on dementia, on caregiving, and even on COVID for families to really take advantage of this unique this unique opportunity that we have to be closer to our families. And you know, it doesn't have to be a grand gesture. We just need to find a commonality or a memory. And connect with that to make these moments richer. Let's look at this as a gift.
2: Absolutely. There's always positive things that we can pull away from any experience. Again, that website, seniorhelpers.com. And if you want to go to the local site, it's seniorhelpers.com forward slash Durham. She is Nancy stolfo a Catalyst with Senior Helpers. Nancy, we always appreciate you sharing your time with us. And thank you so much for joining us this evening.
3: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Nancy. I hope you continue to
2: invite me back. (laughs) Absolutely, we will. We will be talking to you sooner rather than later, we hope. Well, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back with more. Stick around. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk
5: Traffic.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong.
2: FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. And I'm Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we were talking a little bit about social isolation earlier. And we're going to look at that through a little bit a, a different lens here. And we're going to be talking about elder orphans. And to do that, we've brought on Nancy Ruffner. She is a board-certified patient advocate and owner of Navigate NC. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Good to be here.
0: So, so glad to have you here today. And I think your topic is particularly timely because people who have uh, – found themselves in a new position of being isolated um, that may not have ever found themselves in in that way before, just by the fact that families, you know, can't come to visit them because they're an at-risk population, uh, things of that nature. So talk to us a little bit about um, specifically, generally speaking, before the COVID-19 pandemic, what exactly is an elder orphan? Sure.
4: Well, an elder orphan is, uh, the, the functional definition is a Elder orphans or solos are individuals who, by choice or circumstance, function without the support system traditionally provided by family. So that makes us think that it's um, people who live alone, people uh, who have no spouse or partner, people who um, don't have living children or stepchildren and um People whose only child may be disabled and, and is unable to provide the support that they need.
0: Or people who just have cut ties for one reason or another, I'm sure as well, yeah. will fit into that. Group.
4: That's part of the the broader definition. There's a lot more um, in, inside that definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. People that are estranged from their family, uh, maybe they maybe they do have children or family members, but they live at a distance. Right. Um, Also underneath this broad definition, um, they may have children or family members who are unavailable. And and by that, it may mean that perhaps they're working to pay for the care or or, uh, for their own retirement. Or maybe they're in the sandwich generation and and they're caring for young children and their aging parents. Um, But it could be that they're um, unable maybe maybe your support system if you're an elder orphan or a solo ager maybe your support system has their own medical challenges and can't help or lift or drive um your 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 very best friend may be having their own hip surgery
0: right right Um, so folks folks can fall into that category even temporarily potentially but yeah i I certainly understand that so you know, what are, what are some of the special considerations, you know, let's just say you find yourself as you know, that type of a person and, you know, you're not really at the point where you're needing a whole bunch of care yet or you haven't had a medical crisis of any stretch of the imagination. What are some of the things that, you know, if we're, if we're looking at our, our future and we're knowing that we're going to be aging basically alone, what are some things that we need to be putting into the place now so that we have um, – you know, a good future?
4: Well, we, as most of us will assume that we want, as we age, we want to maintain our independence and control and um, elder orphans and solo agers are, are no different. Uh, we have unique needs because our support system is different from others. In fact, we have to be a little bit more demonstrative in, in growing it. We have to take the, take the range. Um, some of the things we can do is build out our support system or Social capital, as some people call it, capital meaning money in the bank, we need we need to build our support system, meet people our, our own age, get involved so that we can combat some of the isolation, which was already a problem before COVID-19, but now presents some even more um, difficult challenges.
0: Yeah, we've had a number of people reach out to Transition Scouting Lights that uh, mm-hmm. really have nobody that they can truly rely on so you know we have you know made certain connections for folks sometimes you know people like yourself or or aging life care managers that can sort of step in right now and help coordinate services when people may be fearful to leave their home because they are uh, part of the vulnerable population so sort of all of these I think all these situations while none of us planned for a global pandemic sort of need to be in our what I like to call our hit-by-the-bus plan, right? Like, at the the end of the day, you know, what are we going to do if, you know, basically... A world catches on fire. I, there, I, there was a meme that I saw the other day, if 2020 um, he was, was, if we could put 2020 as a meme, and it was basically a kid sliding down a really hot metal slide, right? Like going, oh boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> just because it's sort of one of those That's crazy true. years. And really, for any one of us personally, I know globally, we're all going through this together. But personally, we can have a, a hot slide year where all of a sudden, everything just seems like it's moving fast, and it's not comfortable, and we're out of control. And, you what do we do? So you know if we have a plan in place for those moments, we could really be ready for anything.
4: Well, I've seen a lot of good things happening, especially in this area. and yes, we we've seen an uptick in in folks, uh, families that are concerned about their um, relatives who reside alone, aging alone or or again, the relatives are out of state, but the the, the person is here good things are happening. Um, I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, zoom calls. I've seen uh, an increase in folks wishing to connect, um, teenagers who are tech savvy to seniors who may not be, um, a a lot more of the faith communities are stepping up and, and increasing their outreach. Uh, there's, there are, there are really good things happening. Um, I'm especially excited to do the call Uh, To do this this show at this time because what's occurring right now in the month of April National Health Care Decisions Day is a big day for uh, for solo seniors National Health Care Decisions Day is the day that helps us uh, uh, To get our advanced directives going our get our legal ducks in a row and elder orphans have some special planning here We need to make sure that we have a will because you know (laughs) I like to say if we don't have a plan, then the great state of North Carolina has one for us. Uh, but it's it's mostly about advanced directives and who will speak for me.
0: Right, right. You know,
4: that That's a ripple in the rug for many, many elder orphans. They're, I don't have anybody to designate. I don't know who I would choose to be my agent for health care power of attorney or financial power of attorney. And so their task becomes the one that's going to behoove them anyway, and that's increasing their social network.
0: Exactly, exactly. So what are some other things that folks need to consider if they're an elder orphan?
4: Along with combating the isolation, which again was already a problem before COVID, I think it's important that folks realize that they're going to need a team. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of, when I think about it, it's an opportunity. You know, there's this famous phrase that says more than one in five americans older than 65 are at risk of becoming an elder orphan yeah i don't think it's at risk i think it's an opportunity you know we're only at risk if we know there's a need and we haven't done anything about it if we know our back door is open and we're not taking steps then maybe we are at risk but this is a tremendous opportunity for us to build our own team and to Uh, To coin one of my favorite phrases, to to have a say in how things will go and where we'll end up, we can begin to look at, you know, how are we going to call the shots? How can I maintain independence Uh, and uh, make sure that things go my way? And I can do that by having my medical providers picked out. I can get my legal ducks in a row and, and find out what I need to know to appoint agents for my power of attorney designations and to have some emergency plans. Everything from the simple to the uh, more intricate from something as simple as having the emergency contact information jotted down by your phone to something to having a a complete information in a vault um, stored in the cloud. So there's a number of ways that you can approach this. Um, Build your team and ready yourself.
2: Yeah, it's a planning exercise that we all should go through. She is Nancy Ruffner. She's a board certified patient advocate and owner of Navigate NC. You can find more information about her and her organization at NavigateNC.com. NavigateNC.com. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us this evening.
4: Happy to be here.
2: We will be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong.
2: FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And, Nicole, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about advanced directives, and to do that, we've brought on a returning guest here on the program joining us uh, on the phone. It is Chris Wilms. He's an attorney with Hoppler Wilms, and Hannah. Chris, welcome back on the show.
5: Well, thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm always happy to contribute uh, relevant information.
0: Definitely happy to have you here today, and, you know, I think it's rather timely to have you on air. There has been a lot of conversations about this COVID-19 pandemic, also known as coronavirus, whereby people are, um, you know, hospital systems, you keep hearing about the need for ventilators and respirators, and and we don't have enough in this country, and, and things of that nature. And sort of what I've been hearing on the healthcare side is sort of this overarching conversation about ventilators um across media has created an opportunity for a lot of a lot more intimate conversations within families if they had to be faced with being put on a ventilator for the COVID-19 virus if it got to that would or would they not want to receive that type of care so I mean in some ways you know you can kind of look at the blessing and the curse with everything and you know maybe that for whatever reason having this sort of national conversation is trickling down into the homes where these conversations really need to happen on a day-to-day basis.
5: Yeah, and um, I can tell you that since this has gotten so much attention in the media, um, I have gotten a lot of calls. Um, we've definitely seen a substantial number of people reaching out for estate planning um, and specifically discussing health care proxies and advanced directives. Um, this, I think just the The constant attention that this crisis has created has created an opportunity, I agree with you, um, and where people are naturally talking about the process of death and, and what they would want and not want. So it's a great opportunity to bring up the topic of advanced directives.
0: Yeah. So when we're thinking about advanced directives, um, so these are basically plans that people put into place in the event that they were no longer able to make the decisions for themselves. So basically, you know, you and I right now, we could say what we want or don't want if we walked into a hospital. But in the event where we became very, very ill and we were no longer able to do so, advanced directives basically, from my understanding, take over and then the people that you appoint are able to make decisions decisions on your behalf as if they were you um, related to health care and finances, correct?
5: Well, to some degree, yes. So an advanced directive, well, think about it. ideally if you are become critically ill with something, you know, the doctor is going to walk in the room, talk to you about it, um, talk to you about your prognosis and your options. And after being fully informed, um, you'll you know you and the doctor will make a decision together about about life prolonging measures and in response to that, the doctor may enter an order, um, a do not resuscitate order or a, a most order medical orders for scope of treatment, something that directs whether or not life prolonging measures are going to be withheld. But oftentimes you can't make that decision. you can't have that conversation with the doctor. And so an advanced directive um, for natural death essentially is you having that conversation in advance by having a series of situations that you describe in a document and explaining what you would and would not want in response to those various situations. So if you can't have a conversation at that time, when you find, when you, you know, it's determined that you are you know terminally ill, the doctor can review that document and know what your wishes are. It's sort of like having the conversation in advance.
0: Very, very helpful. I mean, I know that um, during a crisis, you know, it any type of crisis you have a heart attack you have a stroke you get into a car accident you know there's so much emotion going around the shock of the family having to deal with this um and then you know if if people don't know what you would have wanted that just creates even more stress with everybody offering their opinions about what they think you might have wanted
5: absolutely and what i have found is that people's perspectives on the process of dying are so different i mean I mean, very, to opposite extremes. Um, I'm My office is located near Research Triangle Park, so I get a lot of young professionals, young couples that just had a baby or just bought a house or just got married or just moved to North Carolina. And they come in, and a lot of them have never been through or experienced the process of dying or having a loved one go through that process. And their perspectives, often I've noticed there's a pattern. Um, their perspectives on the process of dying are often informed by the – Exceptions rather than the rules. So they they hear they see a headline of right. someone waking up from a coma after a year or
0: Or what happened on Gray's Anatomy? Channel. Yeah <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah Um, and so they 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 think that the miracles are the things that they should be looking for during this process um and And so they they have a very different perspective than someone who's been through this had loved ones pass away or is a medical provider and kind of understands how this process works You know, those those two people have we have very different conversations in my office about this process. And a lot of times I'm trying to explain to them as someone who brushes up against death for a living, like you you really need to think about kind of what this the toll that this takes on your family, the expense associated with it, um, the other sort of factors that go into whether or not you would want life prolonging measures withheld under these circumstances where you're allowed to do that.
0: And what is it actually going to look like, right? And and so I'm, I would imagine as an attorney that gets to be kind of tricky territory. You know, what can you expect if you were on a ventilator? What can you expect if you were getting intravenous fluid and in food? You know, what could you expect? You know, name it. If you continue to receive all kinds of experimental drugs for cancer treatment, and so I would I would I would I would wonder if you know there's a times where you just may recommend that folks kind of talk to a medical professional to get a better understanding.
5: So, yes, I'm, I'm only able to help to some degree based right. on the experience that I have. But someone like um, like a patient advocate is going to be much more familiar with how the process plays out in various settings in the in the medical industry. And they're going to be better able, I think, to advocate for certain types of um, care and treatment and be able to understand sort of the nuances of how this practically plays out in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, I, I could write a, a living will that, You know specifies that nothing happened i mean in terms of life-flowing measures that basically we switch you to comfort care we keep you comfortable until you pass away and we maintain your dignity and keep you clean but we don't do anything to try to cure whatever's happening to you and i could try to write that as solidly as i can but there's a lot of wiggle room in this statute Mm -hmm. that provide a lot of discretion for hospitals and doctors to go against that and you know, they, but they can't interfere with your efforts to try to get substitute attorney or substitute uh, physicians or substitute hospitals to try to uh, find a place and a physician that will honor your wishes. And you know, I think someone that's a patient advocate is going to know that in the moment and is going to be able to um, navigate a person towards towards a solution or advocate on behalf of the family to get to a solution a lot faster and a lot more efficiently than an attorney would. Um, I can write the documents, but if you call me in a crisis, I might not be able to intervene quickly enough, but if you have a patient advocate there um, or someone that is versed like a medical professional in, um, in, in this process and the nuances of our current laws, they're going to be better able to do that, I think, very quickly.
0: So if you could just talk for a moment or, or two about the importance of being careful about who you select to make these decisions. It may not be the person that everyone would automatically uh, uh, select to do it. Like it may not necessarily be your spouse, for example.
5: Right. Um, Health care proxies and advanced directives for natural death, they sort of go hand in hand, right? So a healthcare proxy is, you know, where you name a person to make medical decisions. And an advanced directive for natural death is basically you expressing your wishes about what you'd want upon certain events happening. And a lot of people, for example, may want to name their adult children as as an agent to to make these decisions and it may give them discretionary authority to withhold life-prolonging measures too. Um... But you know, if you have a 20-year-old son, you know that you're naming to make these decisions. I think it's very important to make, to have the conversation with them and make sure that they sort of understand and have an understanding of your worldview on the subject, so that they can decide, make decisions about life prolonging measures as if they were you, and not as if they were a 20-year-old with a 20-year-old's perspective. Not to say that 20-year-olds don't understand how this works. Of course they do, but they just, a lot of times, if if this is your first time going through it. You're, and you have very little support from people who have an understanding of this process. Um, you may make decisions that are not in the person's interest, and may make decisions that um, are against their wishes. So, I think it's more important, rather than picking someone that's close, um, you know, in degrees of kinship, like a spouse or a child. I think it's more important to name people that have an understanding of what your wishes are and can understand the why behind it. Not and the just
0: strength the what. to carry it out.
5: You're right. Exactly. At the moment when it's a, when you're when you're in that moment, you need somebody who's not going to hold back.
2: Yeah. And you should also have a conversation with all the parties involved. Uh, explain your thought process behind that so that no one is surprised at a no at secrets a, yeah, at an inappropriate time. Chris Wilms, attorney with Hopler, Wilms and Hannah. If folks want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that?
5: Um, Well, we are open, open during this crisis, um, but we're all working remotely. So phone um, 919-244-2019 is going to be a good way to reach us. Or also you can reach out to us on the web, which is www.hopplerwilms.com.
2: Hopplerwilms.com. Chris, thanks again for joining us. We always appreciate you having on the program.
5: It's always a pleasure, Jason. Thank you.
2: We are out of time for tonight. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us. We will be back again next week. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, News Talk
1: Traffic. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.